You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review's senior editor, Daniel Horowitz. And along with co-host Joe Koss, they break down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering The Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to The Conservative Conscience. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, sitting in the big chair here, April 24th, Monday, beginning of the new week, um, and a very big week after two weeks of downtime, much needed downtime for a lot of us, given the intensity of this news cycle since uh, since really last November. Um, this week is, it's, it's hell week for many of us, starting tomorrow once both houses of Congress are back in session. Lots of things to cover. We'll keep you updated here at Conservative Review. Some of you might have noticed we're updating our website. I, I, By the way, I hate website updates. You know, I always get used to the old format and everything, but, you know, they say it works better. So this is where we're headed. So, um, you know, if you have trouble finding an article or, uh, you know, things just seem to be not loading, it's just another chink for maybe another few hours today. And certainly by Tuesday, we'll... I'll be solved. Um, yeah, but th- this is a big week. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this is the make or break week for the Trump administration. Now, before I get into that, just a couple of notes here. I'm not going to have time to write on this, but I just want to show you another example of why the federal judiciary, despite getting Gorsuch on the court, you know, despite the even this rumor that maybe Anthony Kennedy will retire, resulting in another vacancy, another opportunity on the Supreme Court. The, the court system is a one-way street and a dead end for conservatives. <clears throat> in, in the city of Lakewood, Colorado, a while back, a couple of years ago, um, a cake artist, a bakery, uh, you know, yes, it was one of these bake the cake or else situations <laughs> where Jack Phillips owned a bakery and he was forced to bake a cake for um, a gay wedding. And, you know, it was a typical case where the guy said, look, you know, this is against my religion. I'll, I'll sell you something we already made. He even offered something like that, offered a couple of other accommodations, just wouldn't sit in labor for something that he didn't believe in. And, of course, uh, you know, they went to the Colorado Civil Rights Commission and they clamped down on him. And all the state courts sided with... Um, you know, the coercion, coercion against property rights, coercion against religious liberty. And with the help of the Alliance Defending Freedom, several other groups, Jack Phillips petitioned the Supreme Court. But just today, uh, news came up that they denied the cert. They would not grant cert to this petition. Now, I understand they only take up 80 out of thousands of cases. Uh, but, you know, still, notice they always take up a case when, you know, the left had a defeat in the lower courts or state courts. Uh, but in this case, we cannot get the Supreme Court to even take up our case. Now, a lot of people say, well, Daniel, there needs to be a, a circuit split. Now, incidentally, like I said, this didn't go to a federal circuit. It was a, it was a state circuit, actually. They, they petitioned directly to the Supreme Court. But the problem is we can't get a circuit split because all the circuits stink. Um, this was actually Gorsuch's old circuit, the 10th Circuit, which, again, it wasn't petitioned there, but if they would, it would go to the 10th Circuit. A 10th Circuit's horrible. So, I mean, there you go. 
This is just another example. You don't always hear about this. You often hear of bad cases, but what you don't hear of is when they don't grant cert to even hear an appeal from a lower court or state court bad decision. And this is yet another example of how we don't have basic property rights, basic religious liberty rights. And as much of a state's powers advocate as I am, um, this is not a power that a state has. This is an unalienable right if there ever was one. Um, you know, we have civil rights stepping in all over states on redistricting and all sorts of things um, under the guise of civil rights. But somehow when when states legitimately overstep their boundary, we don't have the federal court system to help us. What a surprise. Um, so I just want to get that out of the way before we get to the big week of budget taxation, immigration, the border fence. Um, also, as always, please support our new sponsor. Birch Gold. The Birch Gold Group has a long-standing track record of success selling physical precious metals that they'll ship right to your front door. I've told you guys before, I have never invested in um, directly in a bar of gold. But what I do like about this particular group, A, they're conservative. They support us. But also, there's a little-known IRS tax law that you could you could give – I mean, you you could donate up to what is it, sixty five hundred or so per year into an IRA. You could put into gold, and there's no better long term investment um, than this. I mean, the market's at an all time high, yet the economy stinks. The Atlanta Fed is uh, projecting only half a percentage growth for the first quarter of this year. So the worst combo: market all time high, but economy stinks. This has been really the story of the last number of years. So no better. Um, investment group that gold what i want you guys to do is what i'm in the middle of doing i'm reading my free information kit um so just so you can get more comfortable with what they do go to birchgold.com forward slash cr that is b-i-r-c-h gold.com forward slash cr and get your free information kit the 16 page guide reveals how gold and silver can protect your savings and serve as a hedge against inflation all right so this week is when we find out whether Republicans will be run over by a not really nothing that, other than a parked car. Will they be run over by a parked car or not? This is the week where many of you are going to see, if you haven't seen yet, and most of you have, but you're going to see the dichotomy between the parties. Whereas Democrats seek power, Republicans seek office. Democrats seek power even when they don't have the power. Now, Republicans seek office even when they have the power to wield. They don't wield it. They have the House. They have the Senate. They have the White House. Many of you remember back uh, in the first budget battle when Republicans took over the House in March 2011. So this was six years ago. And even with just control over the House, they promised us that they would get basic things for us. And just understand what you're going to hear missing in, in this week's battle is you're, you're going to hear a lot about a government shutdown, government shutdown. And Republicans are going to speak passionately. There will not be a government shutdown. We must prevent a government shutdown. As if preve the prevention of a government shutdown is an ends to itself. The ends to itself should be protecting American sovereignty, funding the right things like border security and enforcement. You know, I have an article out today on, the, on just how beleaguered ICE agents are. Um, and why that needs to be funded. That is the core function of the federal government. Yet, at this point, Republican appropriators 
have sold us out on the border fence. And instead of funding the border fence, funding more immigration agents, funding the military more, which was the promise to have a supplemental spending bill, $17 billion more in security, homeland security, military spending, and then $17 billion in cuts to non-defense discretionary spending. Uh, they jettisoned all that, and they're funding Planned Parenthood. They're funding refugee resettlement. What happened to that? And the point is, a budget bill is a reflection of your priorities. You know, Madison always says that's the last redress of all grievances, to, to, to use the power of the purse. Now, that was given over to the Congress, and Republicans have the Congress. They've actually had the Congress for a few years. They've had both branches since 2015. But now they have the White House as well. And given that the president is of the same party as the majority party in both houses of Congress, this should be a no-brainer. They should do what it takes to get their priorities across. If Democrats want to filibuster it and there's a government shutdown, that's their fault. You message against it. You're going to shut down the government to, to fund a private institution that, that uh, traffics baby organs. You're going to shut down the government in order to bring in more Middle Eastern immigrants in such a time of homeland insecurity while simultaneously blocking funding for a border fence, which has worked every time it's tried. Unfortunately, we don't have a party that could articulate anything because they don't believe in anything. Like I said, they just want to hold office. So I just want to get through the next thing. The goal is not to display your power, meaning your view of government, your priorities. Your goal is just to seek office. Oh, so I don't know. This is unpleasant. I don't want to deal with this government shutdown fight. Let's move on. Let's give the Democrats what they want. Now, what what happened is, you know, with President Trump, the last couple weeks, Senate leaders, Senate appropriators, Republicans have, have sold out to the Democrats, giving them everything they want. So again, normally with a budget, it's a reflection of your priorities. Now, when you have divided government, you would expect you have divided priorities. But when you have one party controlling all of government, well, guess what? You're going to get close to everything you want. That's what I, I say this. Be, I said this before. I'll say it again. When Democrats were in a similar situation a few months into Obama's presidency when they had the House and Senate, guess what? They got everything they wanted in that March omnibus. Now, seven or eight Republicans delivered them the votes. Voted along with it. So in this case, you either you you either need to force Democrats to vote for it. If they don't want to vote for it, you blame them for it. And then eventually, you will have to deal with those Senate procedures. I'm sorry. You can't tell the American people that you have control of all three branches and everything. I can't do anything. I can't do anything. You either need filibuster reform. It's another thing we've spoken about, the two-speech rule, to limit the minority party to two speeches a day to actually force a real filibuster. So you have – so so th- what this would do is it would force a, the specter of a dramatic Democrat talking filibuster while the government is shut down. A, they wouldn't be able to sustain it for more than a few days, and B, um, they would be seen as filibustering against funding the government. And that's how you throw in everything you want, not just the border funding. Now, again, I'm not asking that you, you know, shove in Social Security reform, Medicare reform, tax reform, you know, things that need 
real ironing out of details and legislation and hearings and, you know, will cause massive disruptions. I'm talking about certain basic one-offs. I'm not funding refugee resettlement. Done. Right? We don't need to bring that in, pipeline and shut off. We're not funding Planned Parenthood. Very simple requests here. Basic Republican priorities, whatever the Republican Party stands for, but at least in the platform, should be funded. They promised this back when they just had the House. Oh, no, we need the Senate. Oh, no, we need the White House. Well, now they're not doing any of that. Now, the problem is, like I said, Trump has jumped in. I don't know if he didn't realize that his lunch money was eaten. We've been talking about this for three weeks already. But now he's like, oh, no, the fence has to be funded. Well, the Republicans already sold out their leverage. So this is going to be the president's time for choosing. This is going to be his Waterloo. He cannot lose this. So is it just a, is he just a paper tiger? Is he just saying, oh, no, you know, we need the border fence and trolling the Democrats, but then he's going to give in? Or not? Or is he going to message this properly and use the bully pulpit of the presidency to blame it on the Democrats? And, and again, it's not just to get what you want in the budget. There actually is utility in a government shutdown itself. Because frankly, that's the only way you'll be able to demonstrate to the American people which are essential and non-essential um, government functions. Because only non-essential personnel don't show up. And guess what? Nobody notices the difference. And unlike when we had a shutdown in 2013 and Obama was president, he manipulated uh, the levers of government to you know, make the GOP look bad. Well, Trump's in charge now. So this is his time to shine. You know, it's been it's been a the, the reason why I'm saying this is the most critical week is not just because everyone's focused on this arbitrary hundred days deadline and, you know, looking back on the first hundred days Um. It's more that the budget bill is the capstone for all of this. That is the last opportunity, the only opportunity to enact your priorities through the leverage of a budget bill. Because like we're seeing, you're not going to do it legislatively. I mean I'm looking at the House legislative calendar this week. It's full of random bills. Let me, let me see if I could even – trying to ring this up on my computer here um, just, just to give you a sense of what this do-nothing Republican Congress has been doing. Um, where are we? House. Week ahead. Meets at 2 p.m. Tuesday for consideration of eight bills under suspension. Suspension bills are nothing burger bills like naming post offices. Including measures authorizing use of the Capitol grounds for exhibitions in a soapbox derby. Wednesday, the House takes up a bill, H.R. 6095, on the selection of the Register of Copyrights. I mean, the... the what are members supposed to take back with them to their districts and message? What do you run on? Like I said, we have a list of 20 immigration, terrorism, homeland security ideas. We have a lot of domestic policy ideas that – unfortunately, we have a small staff here, so we haven't been able to edit it and finish it and put it out publicly yet. There's government reform ideas, term limits, getting rid of the Obamacare exclusion for Congress. I mean stuff that resonates with the people. Um, and, and, and they're not big deals. They're not real transformative, but they're solid base hits. Easy things to do. Nothing. You know, today I have a post out advocating why immigration has to be the issue of our time and all the different things Congress can do about it. I have dozens of ideas. Nothing. Nothing. They have done nothing. I mean, I, I can't underscore enough what a colossal failure it is to have control of all three branches of government in the first hundred days do nothing with it. Absolutely nothing. You know, again, 
this time, even before we get to the budget bill, but at, at this point in the Obama administration, they had some solid stuff done. They readily, they didn't vote on Obamacare, but they had the groundwork for it. They had the groundwork for cap and trade. A lot of the stuff they already, they were planning, at least you knew where they were headed. Um, but, you know, they they, they enacted uh, the S-chip healthcare expansion, their fair pay for women rules, their, their regulation on credit cards. They did that like two days into Obama's uh, um, office. Uh, gosh, I mean cash for clunkers and the second version of tarp and the stimulus and put it this way it was bad enough it was potent enough that it spawned the tea party around this time eight years ago april 2009 we all remember it it was it, it was a disaster for us but i mean it was a success for them it was a blitzkrieg you didn't hear excuses well the filibuster you know they got it done now some of it's because republicans when they're in the minority they give in all the time but again, you got to play hardball. They didn't have problems nominating their cabinet picks. They got them through. I mean, this this is how it works. I don't know what to tell you. And then when you get to the budget itself, Democrats in 2009 got what they wanted. There was never a question of, oh my gosh, are we going to have a government shutdown? No, it was understood the Democrats will, by hook or by crook, get what they want. Now, contrast that to, to Trump and the Republicans – They've gotten nothing done. Um, you, you know, you know. to this day, Trump is still issuing Obama's illegal DACA cards, illegal executive amnesty. I don't know why there's not more talk about that. In addition to that, you have the courts, which I don't even understand. It's like everyone's forgotten this. The Hawaii judge, Judge Robart, I mean, these district judges, which are created by Congress, now creating themselves – a position that's supreme to Article One and Article Two, overriding immigration powers, sovereignty powers, foreign commerce, foreign affairs uh, powers by creating an affirmative right to immigrate. The judicial fascism taking place, and no one's doing anything about it. As I've said many times, this is the time you address that for Republicans in Congress, and uh, you know, pressured by the White House to do so. Get up there and say, "Wait a minute, we will not fund." Refugee resettlement and visas from those six countries for the next six months for the remainder of this fiscal year, exactly as the president intended, because we understand that he had that power. It's pursuant to our statutes as Congress, and the courts get the hell out of here. But no, there's no effort, no even no discussion about that. There's no discussion about Planned Parenthood. They're down to the bare minimum border funding, and even then, Democrats are now going on offense saying they want cost-sharing subsidies for Obamacare to, to bail out Obamacare. You know, forget about repealing Obamacare. Now we're bailing it out. And, and even, even the White House, you know, they've ceded the other ground, and they're only talking about the border fence. And even then, Mick Mulvaney, Mick Mulvaney the OMB director, is out saying or offering Democrats a, a compromise. Well, we'll give you a dollar of cost-sharing Obamacare subsidies for a dollar worth of uh, border fence funding. What? So now we're giving them what stuff they, they want? I mean, that's the type of thing you do when you have divided government. We don't. So I don't get it. But look, well, time will tell in the coming hours and days whether this president is serious about actually draining the swamp, changing the entire way Republicans go about do, doing things. I mean, you know, from art of the deal, you always start out asking more than you think you're going to get. 
So if your end goal is the border fence, which it should, it should be a lot more than that. It should be, again, codifying the executive order and Planned Parenthood. So you should ask for five more things beyond that. Um, he's just asking for the border funding and even then doing it kind of half-heartedly in the 11th hour after having his, you know, Republicans in Congress cede that ground for three weeks. So we'll see how that works out. In the remaining time, I want to move on. So we're also going to have taxes. Uh, Trump's coming out with his tax plan on Wednesday. Oh, whoops, I thought he had his campaign tax plan, which is a pretty good one. Jed is in that. We'll see what that is. I have my piece that I'll link to in the show notes. Um, you know, my concerns, um, just broadly speaking, of why I don't think we should tackle the tax issue. I know many of you pay a lot in taxes, but you're not going to get a net tax cut out of this. It's just not going to happen. And like I say always, the only thing you can do with this ball is throw an interception in this climate. It's better not to touch it. It's better we focus on my list of 20 immigration, homeland security, you know, terrorism items, um, focus on regulatory reforms, get rid of the ethanol mandate. That's something that everyone pays. But nobody listens to me. Anyway, Obamacare. Okay, a lot of you have been asking me what I feel about this budding deal. Um, do I think it's going to happen? I do think it's going to happen. Again, without giving away intel, just personal conversations. The problem is this. What do you do if you're a conservative member and deep down you've come to the realization that this party is inexorably against you? Promoting conservatism within the Republican Party is like promoting conservatism within the Democrat Party. It's worthless. What do you, what do you, what do, you do when you know the party will not repeal Obamacare. They're committed to not repealing it, yet they're committed to doing something and they're going to steamroll you and you either get blamed for blocking that and tax reform because they're all saying you got to do this before tax reform and that I also address in my piece why that's stupid. Um what do you, what do you do? I mean at some point what do you you know, you come to your end of, the end of your rope. And I think that's where a lot of these Freedom Caucus members are. And especially because they you know, they're peeling off a lot of the members anyway. The pressure is just too enormous. Republican president on top of Republican congressional leaders. What do you do? So basically the members are f- trying to find a point that uh, – until now, we were saying that this is not a half a loaf. It's a poisonous loaf, meaning it didn't repeal Obamacare, and in fact, it would exacerbate the – death spiral because it kept all the regulations, kept the subsidies, so prices go up, but on the other hand, it got rid of the individual and employer mandate, so it's just going to make it even more insolvent, except we're going to get blamed uh, for it under the mantle of repeal instead of under the mantle of Obamacare. Right? That, in a nutshell, is what our opposition was. The question is, at what point do, do their negotiations net certain provisions that it reaches that tipping point where, you know what, maybe on net it might have some chance of lowering prices. A half-baked repeal might be worth it, given that we're going to get nothing more than this. And that's kind of the dilemma, just so you know the dilemma they're in. I understand it. And and I get it. But what I want to make very clear is what they're coming out with, what it looks like they're going to come out with, is not going to work. It's unlikely to yield any results. We certainly shouldn't message this as, though this is the conservative victory and repeal. And it's only going to get worse once it goes to the Senate. None of this is going to happen. But basically the idea is, so again, keeps the Medicaid expansion, keeps the subsidies, albeit 
not the open-ended uh, means to um means tested subsidies but the age-rated subsidies which as i've noted before once you agree to a some sort of subsidization beyond medicaid for the middle class it's unsustainable not for it not to grow legs so you're going to wind up keeping all the subsidies that's just politically how that's going to work so i view that as keeping the subsidies what about the regs so you, so you know they're saying oh they're negotiating to get rid of it they are not getting rid of them statutorily what they're what the plan would be is so first of all with throw millions of dollars I'm sorry billions of dollars in a slush fund um for states to create high risk pools for pre-existing conditions now, you might say, oh, well, isn't that what we're asking for? No, we were asking for them to do that instead of Obamacare. So here they're keeping the subsidies, they're keeping the regs on top of it, and then have the slush fund. Then they tell states, okay, if you have a slush fund, either your own high-risk pool or you utilize the federal one, then you could come to uh, Health and Human Services, you come to HHS, and request a waiver from community rating and essential health benefits. Not guaranteed issue, but community rating, a couple others, maybe, again, the details aren't clear, but not all the regs. So half-assed waiver request of the regs. Let me ask you something. If you're insurance companies or you are new insurers that are looking to re-enter the market, because this is the biggest problem, that it's insolvent, so there are no insurers left, so therefore one or two have a, um, a monopoly in so many states, and that's why, you know... That's why it looks like Venezuela with price inflation. So you need new insurers back in. If you're a new insurer, are you going to jump back in under this under this model? I mean, it sounds really good. There's a, oh, it's like federalism, states' rights. No, states' rights is repeal Obamacare, get the feds completely out. Now, yeah, you're right. If the state wants to reimpose those regs at a state level, then they could do that. But here's the difference. The default position under full repeal is no regs. States have to then go through their state legislatures and pass new laws and reimpose it. Maybe a couple of the bluest states will have enough power to do it. Most states will be able to protest that. Whereas if the default position here is, is uh, no, Obamacare is totally here. It is completely here to stay. But – Governors have to come crawling to the feds to say, get rid of community rating. Let me ask you, show of hands here. How many governors do you think are going to ask for it? Keep in mind, first of all, once they identified and agreed to our position that it's the federal regulations that are the problem, and therefore they're allowing states to request a waiver, why don't you just repeal it? Oh, well, because the Republicans are scared. Pre-existing conditions. So – the same crappy Republicans you have in Congress, I got news for you. You have them among the Republican governors. Forget about the Democrats. Every Democrat's not going to ask for a waiver, so Obamacare is still going to be there. Certainly the John Kasich Republicans, but even beyond that. I mean, look at, look, look what Scott Walker has been saying on it. I mean, even Greg Abbott, even the, the, the best ones, they'll ask maybe for some waivers. Are they going to completely get rid of community rating? I don't know. I doubt it. It wouldn't shock me if not a single governor requests a full waiver. So this is just going to set off a lobbying bonanza between the state governments and the insurers lobbying HHS, how to tailor make these waivers. There's not nearly enough market certainty to bring down prices. And then again, you still have the subsidies. 
And we're talking about the regs, but you still have the subsidies. So you're still artificially inflating the price. You're still distorting the market. You still fundamentally have a scenario where insurers are competing with lob- you know, with their lobbyists in a narrow confine of regs and subsidies for government business rather than consumer demand. I have a lot of problems. I'm going to make a list later this week when this is, is more final. Um, I've been a little bit hesitant to hit at it because it hasn't been final and because, on the other hand, some of the left-wing Republicans are <laughs> saying this is too much repeal. So it might never come to fruition. Um, you know, and, and I appreciate the efforts that our guys have been doing to get what they can. I, I appreciate it. I, ju- I just, what concerns me is, if you want to get up there and say, you know, Freedom Caucus, hold a press conference, say, these guys are suck. These guys are liars. These guys don't understand free markets. These guys lied to the American people. There's no difference between them and the Democrats. Look, there's nothing we can do. We don't have the numbers. Oh, by the way, we're starting a Freedom Caucus super PAC, and please donate so we can get more of us and actually fulfill the promise, actually promote free markets, actually make American healthcare look like an American supermarket shelf instead of a Venezuelan supermarket shelf. But we feel this is the best we can do. We move them slightly to the right. We'll vote for it. That's very different than something I hope the members don't do is like, oh, we got what we wanted. We negotiated and we're getting repeal. No, this is not what repeal looks like. So we'll be watching that throughout the week. Um, but in case you want to know, those are my baseline concerns with uh, with what's going on here and the, the plan being being floated. But uh, but anyway, um, that's that's where we are for this week. Like I said, a lot of it's in the preliminary stages. We'll keep you covered. You want to stay here at Conservative Review on all these issues, cutting edge. You're also going to want to subscribe to CRTV. That's how we keep the lights on, your $99 a year subscription. And by the way, with the porn channel, a.k.a. Fox News going down the tubes, um, this is where you want to turn to. I mean, every time you turn on Fox, you're going to lose brain cells. Every time you turn on Stephen Crowder and Mark Levin and Steve Dace, Michelle Malkin, uh, you know, and if we could tank Fox News, we'll get more. And by the way, Fox Business has still never called me to come back on their shows. So I think they saw my tweets against them, which is fine. My home is CRCRTV. Let this be the the new gold, gold standard of conservatism. Again, check for our updates throughout the week. Our new website. Curious what you guys think of it. Think of the design, the layout. As always, God bless y'all. This is going to be a long, long week. Thank you for listening to Conservative Conscience. Conservative Conscience.